All right, question for you. Have you ever felt like you're not enough? Okay. I know I have, okay? Okay, I'm, I'm the only uh, sane person in the house, truthful person. You all are going to be struck by lightning today because you're all lying, okay? You're all liars right now, okay? We've all had moments where we don't feel like we have enough, we don't have enough, I'm not enough, we get discouraged, you know? Um, a couple weeks ago, I kind of felt this. Um, I went and spoke for my friend Nate on his retreat with his youth group to Chicago. And uh, my friend Nate has four kids under the age of four. His wife is pregnant, and they're about to have their fifth, and so they're going to have five under five, okay? Now, if that was me, I would be praying, God, create a sinkhole and devour my home and my family all at one time. Wipe us off the face of the earth, okay? I just could not handle that, okay, just to be honest. We spaced out our kids every four years for a reason, okay? So I'm just amazed by five under five. So they bring all four of the kids on the retreat, okay? And all four of them are in the same van that I'm in, okay? And riding to Chicago with these four children under the age of four, okay? And so we're on the way there, and I'm just amazed because my friend Nate's wife, Mindy, is just one of those, like, super mom. I mean, she is, like, incredible, okay? So we get into the van. They all, you know, she has new coloring books and new crayons for all of them on the trip. She's got healthy, organic snacks and drinks for everybody on the van ride, you know what I mean? She's got leap pads for everybody so that they can have fun and they can learn at the same time. You know what I mean? The little one-year-old is doing, like, sign language for, like, what he wants and stuff. And I'm like, I don't know sign language. I'm 36 years old. What's wrong with me, you know? You know, and then all of a sudden, the two-year-old, like, throws a little, like, fit. But then she apologizes to her mom for her bad attitude so that she can then get her binky back. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, my middle son, Ben, that's seven, is in the back seat back there. I gave him a pack of Starburst, and I gave him some, um, what are they, um, the sour thing, Sour Patch Kids, and a beef jerky stick about a mile long, and a root beer. And I'm like, I'll see you when we get to Chicago. You know what I mean? At this moment in my life, I'm feeling very, very insecure about my parenting skills at this moment, you know? I'm questioning, do I even, should I even be a parent? I mean, seriously, like, where do I fall on the radar scale? And at those moments, you can feel very, what, inadequate. You can feel like, man... I just don't add up. I just don't measure up. And I don't know what that looks like for you in your life and daily, maybe at work or at home or around family or friends. I, I don't know what that looks like. But I know that that's a feeling that we can all have quite often. I'm just not enough. I don't have enough. And, and we're going to look at a story today of some people that felt that same way, okay? So if you got a Bible, uh, open it up with me. Go to the book of Numbers, okay? Numbers chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have uh, some verses on the screen that you can follow along with today. But in uh, Numbers chapter 13, God has saved the people of Israel. He's taken them out of 400 years of bondage and slavery. They have called out to the Lord for freedom, 
They want a new life. They want a new land. They want the land that God had promised Abraham, a land that's flowing with milk and honey, a land that would be a blessing to their people. They want what God has promised. And I don't know about you, but I know that there's things in my life that I feel like, man, I know God has promised me some things. God has promised me, this church, some things, and I want those things that God has for me and my family in this church. And so in chapter 13, verse 1, God sends this. He says, the Lord said to Moses, send out the men to explore the land, the land that I'm giving to the Israelites. It's always profound to understand when we read the Bible that we see when God is making a a proclamation. God is speaking something that he has intended for them. God's not speaking from the sense of, I'm hoping to give him this land. He's speaking from the sense, no, this is their land. This is my promise, okay? And whenever God speaks something to us, there's always provision behind it. There's always what we need when God speaks. But there's always this place that you're gonna have to walk in faith. There's always this place where God gives the promise And isn't that amazing when God gives the promise? Isn't it such an amazing feeling when you're in worship or you're in prayer or you're in presence of God or somebody has a prophetic word for you and they speak something over your life and you're like, I can't believe God thinks that way about me. I can't believe God sees my future that way. And it's just such an amazing feeling. But then there comes a day where we're with the reality of I'm not there yet. My life doesn't look like the promise, does it? My life doesn't look like what God spoke over my life. My life doesn't look like what God had in store. So he says, send out the spies. Go look into the land. Go check out the land that I'm giving to you. And then I want you to come back and give a report to the people of what I'm sending them to. So the spies, they go out. uh, They go check out the land. There's a verse in verse 23. They come to the valley, and they cut down branches of clusters of grapes. I love that the Bible says it's clusters, like branches, huge, huge clusters of fruit, so much that they're carrying it on their shoulders because the land is so bountiful. But then we pick up the story. Go with me to verse 25, okay? Verse 25, it says this, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses and Aaron to the community of Israel. They reported to the whole community what they had seen, and they showed them fruit that they had taken from the land. So they gather some of the fruit. They gather some of the goodness from the land, and so they take it back, and they're showing everybody. And I can't imagine you've been in the desert for a long time, and you see this amazing fruit, and you got to be thinking, man, glory to God in the highest. We about to feast, y'all. You know what I mean? Like, we're having some good days. Do you remember when we were eating manna? Okay, do y'all remember the manna days? Well, we got the man of days. We're going to the good days. You know what I mean? So they see the fruit. You got to imagine people's hearts are excited. They're passionate. They're ready to have what God has in store for them. It says this. It says, when we entered the land and we explored it inside and out, it's bountiful, flowing with milk and honey. Here's the fruit that it produces. But verse 28, but the people there that are living there, they're powerful in their towns. They are large and fortified. Okay? We even saw giants 
their descendants of Achan. Caleb in verse 30 speaks up though. So it's like on one minute, it's like, yay, Jesus, this is the greatest day. Look at what God has set up for us. And then all of a sudden, it flips. You ever been like that in life? You have a moment where you're like, man, this is the greatest day of my life. And then like your engine blows up and you're like, this is the worst day of my life. You know what I mean? And it just flips in a second. All of a sudden, it flips, and they're like, hey, by the way, uh, we just want to let everybody know that there are giants in the land. Our enemy is in the land. Our adversaries have taken over the land, and we want everybody to clearly understand this. But Caleb speaks up, because guess what Caleb remembers? Caleb remembers what God spoke in verse 1. Caleb remembers the promise. Caleb remembers that moment when God gives you the promise. He remembers what God said to him. And he says this. He says, uh, verse 30, let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Verse 31, the other men who explored the land disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are strong, okay, and they spread a bad report among the land of Israel. The land we traveled through and explored, they will devour us, okay? The people that we saw there, they are huge. They're huge, okay? They're huge, okay? Verse 33, we even saw, again, they're back to the giants. They're like, hey, I, didn't, I don't think you all heard us the first time, but there's giants, okay? They're massive, and they're huge, and they're going to take us down. And then it goes on to say this, next to them we felt like grasshoppers. Chapter 14, we go into chapter 14, we go into verse 1. The whole community began to weep loudly and cried out all night. The voices uh, rose, great crowds of uh, protests against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. If only we had died in Egypt, we would have been better than this wilderness, they complained. Verse 3. The Lord was taking us from our country only to have us die in battle. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Why didn't we just stay in Egypt? You know, there's a few things that we learn from this text. And a few things that I really went through over the course of the last year as we were starting this church. Number one is this feeling that they said we felt like grasshoppers. I don't know if you've ever felt like that in your life in a moment where you feel like, man, God's got great things for me, but you know what? I just feel like a grasshopper. I just feel so small, so insignificant, so like nothing is going on. And I remember when we first started the church, and I remember the first services, and I remember the first moments in this building feeling so small. I remember the moments in our house, in our living room, just feeling like, um, cool, there's like um, 11 people here this morning. Oh, awesome. I like prepared all week for this. This is awesome. But I'm going to preach like there's 1,000 today. You know what I mean? Like there's 11, but I'm going to believe that there's 1,000 in my mind, you know? But you feel so small. You have moments that you feel so insignificant. Like I remember like moments like when we first, like, I remember, like, I remember we had a second service, like, back a while back. I remember that day, there was, like, seven people 
here, and uh, I got done preaching, and I just, the thought crossed my mind, does this matter? What we're doing doesn't matter. Because sometimes, let's just be real, we can feel small. Sometimes we feel like God's given us a great dream. God's given us a great call. God's gone in to do great things in my life. But there's just times that we feel like a grasshopper. We just feel small. We feel like, man, if we went away, would anybody even really care? We had those thoughts. We had those moments. We had those moments where we felt like we didn't have enough because we didn't have enough. And Brandon understands those days when we didn't have enough. Brandon understands those days. I remember a day where I called Brandon, and I think we had maybe, maybe like $1,100 in the church account. And I had personally, I had personally maybe like $100. And I remember calling Brandon on the phone and just crying and going, what have I done with my life? We didn't have enough. It was tough. We didn't feel strong enough. And this is what Israel feels in this moment. They hear the bad report, and all of a sudden they feel like grasshoppers, and they feel like they don't have enough, and they're not strong enough. And how could we ever go and possess this land that God wants for us? But remember what God said. I've given this land to you. This is your land. I've already given it to you. See, faith, faith stares into the darkness. See, God will speak something to you, and then all of a sudden you got to use faith, but you'll look in faith, and all you see is darkness. You can't see the next season. I couldn't see today. A year ago, I couldn't see all of you. I knew that God had a good plan, but I didn't see all the faces. All I saw at that moment was nothing. And I was like, God, where are we going? And he'll go, just take my hand and I'll lead you through the darkness. Just take my hand and I'll take you. I'll lead you. I'll guide you. I have you. I got you. It takes faith. God's always trying to elevate us to see a new level. Go with me to Mark, okay? Mark, I don't know why that thing is going off, Drew, but it is like geeking out on me right now, okay? In Jesus' name, I tell you to stop. (laughs) Mark chapter 6. Go to Mark chapter 6, verse 30 through 44, okay? Brandon, can you help me take this off real quick? I'm like on fire hot right now, and it's like a straight jacket right now. We got this. Here we go. Thank you, buddy. Okay, so tight. I know, because I'm so ripped. You know what I mean? <laughs> Underneath this shirt is just, whew, you, would, you don't want me to take my shirt off because it'll get crazy in here, okay? <laughs> Verse 30. <laughs> no, I promise you, there's nothing underneath there, okay? <laughs> I haven't lifted weights in like a good minute or two, okay? Seriously. Brandon lifts weights. Like I go there, and I'm like, ooh, look at this five-pounder. Oh, man, it's working my muscles hard today, okay? Verse 30, the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour, telling them what they had done and what they had taught. Jesus says to them, let's go off by ourselves. Jesus says, let's go off and uh, be by ourselves in a quiet place and rest a while. Why does Jesus say this? Okay? Because their friend John the Baptist has just died. Okay? John the Baptist has been captured. He was thrown into prison. Somebody said, I want his head. They cut his head. They behead him. And so this is a bad day. 
best friends, ally, beheaded. And you got to think that the disciples feel this deep grief, number one. But number two, I'm sure they're feeling like, um, are we next? <laughs> you know what I mean? Who's next? Who's about to lose their life? Are we about to lose their life? So I'm sure their heart is stricken with fear and doubt and their mind is flooded with tons of thoughts. So Jesus says, hey, let's do this. Let's just go take a vacation. How many love vacations? You're like, I need a vacation right now to the Bahamas in Jesus' name. I'm claiming that over my life. And so Jesus says, let's go take a quiet place, a rest, because there's been many people coming and going as the disciples did, at, and they had, and it says this, they had no time to eat. Verse 32. So they left on a boat to a quiet place where they could be alone. Verse 33. Many people recognized and saw that they were leaving. The people from many towns ran ahead to the shores and got there before. So the, the word about Jesus is so crazy that people are recognizing that Jesus is leaving, so they gather together and they run ahead and they're running after Jesus and they get to where Jesus is going before they get there. And can you imagine like when they get there, the disciples feeling like, no, man, are you serious? I'm on vacation. Have you ever seen somebody you know on vacation and you're like, oh, no, 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 that dude from my work is not here right now. That is not happening. I remember one time we were at Disney World at Disney World with my kids. I'm like in Mickey La La Land. You know what I mean? Like Mickey Mouse is the greatest thing ever. We're buying everything you can possibly buy, you know? And all I remember here is Pastor Jeff, and I was like, my heart dropped into my stomach. I'm like, you found me at Disney World? How did you find me here? No way, you know? And so the... The crowds, they meet Jesus at the shore. And it says this in verse 34. Jesus saw the crowd, and he stepped out a boat, and he had compassion for them. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, the disciples said to them, this is a remote place, and it's getting late. Send the crowds away to the nearby farms and villages to eat something. But in verse 37, Jesus says this, you feed them. You feed them. Look, remember what I said? When God speaks, there's provision. When God speaks, there's provision. And he says, no, don't send them anywhere. I want you to feed them. And their response is just like our response. With what? Like Jesus there's like 15,000 people here right now. Did you forget how many people are here? With what do you want us to feed them? We would have, they even go on to say this, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food to feed all these people. And then Jesus' response is this, how much bread do you have? How much bread do you have? It's almost like this, okay? It's almost like they're at this level. How many of you ever felt this way in life before? You're at this level, and you're looking out at your life, but you're looking through everything. And when you're at this level, it's hard to see back there. Because when I'm at this level, I can't see back there. All I can see is all the stuff in front of me, and all the stuff in front of me tells me you're not enough. 
You don't have enough. But then when you get to this level, right, I can see over everything. And so Jesus says, what do we have? He's trying to lift their level. He's trying to lift their faith. He's trying to get them to see not from a earthly perspective, but from a heavenly perspective. He's trying to get them to see the kingdom of God. And he says, what do you have? And they said, well, we have five loaves of bread and we have two fish. So Jesus took the loaves and he said, hey, tell all the people and have them sit in the green grass. Thank you for green grass, Jesus. And put them in the groups of 50 and 100. And so that shows us Jesus loves organization. And he's about organization. And he's with organization. It's just, I need help with it in Jesus' name, okay? And thank God for people that help me with that. But Jesus is about that. And then Jesus does what? He takes the bread. He looks towards heaven, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he gives it out to everybody. And everybody, all 15,000 people eat as much as they want, and then afterwards, they have what? 12 baskets left over. 12 baskets. 12 baskets. Did you hear me? 12 baskets of leftovers because of what God multiplied. Because he's a multiplying God. That's why, when, that's why when the kingdom of God asks you to tithe and you go, uh, uh, how could I ever tithe? He goes, no, you don't understand. How could you not tithe? I'm a multiplying God. I'm going to multiply the 90 in ways that you could never imagine. But I need you to raise your level and to see in faith. I need you to see the kingdom of God. I need you to see beyond what you see in this moment. Jesus says, feed them. Jesus says, God says to the people of Israel, I've given you this land. It's your land. You just got to go possess it now. You got to go possess it now. I'll never forget, gosh, probably four years ago, prayer and fasting, January. I'm in the Living Word Sanctuary in Dayton, Ohio, praying on a Sunday afternoon all by myself before youth group. And I'll never forget God's presence came in and he gave me a vision for Elevate Church and he gave me a vision for the city and he gave me a vision for people. And it was just an amazing moment and I wrote it down to detail because I never wanted to forget what God had spoke to me. But then guess what? You gotta go live it. You gotta go stand in faith. You gotta go claim what is yours. That's what God is saying to the Israelites. Hey, this is yours. I've given it to you. Just go claim it. Your name's on it. It's like having a check that's made out to you for a million dollars. And all you got to do is go grab it. Go take it. But you got to look at it in faith. You got to step out in faith. See, it's, what, why did Jesus need the bread and the fish? You ever thought about that? Like, why does Jesus need the bread and fish? He's Jesus. Like, he just makes stuff. I mean, he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Couldn't he just create whatever he wanted to create in that moment? No, Jesus always needs something. And that something is faith. Jesus needs something. So when, when God is trying to work with us in our life and take us to new levels and take us new, to new places, he's just going, I just need some faith. 
I just need a little faith. I just need a little trust. I need you to be able to look into the darkness and see beyond the darkness. I need you to be able to look into this season that you don't know what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to go on and you don't know how I'm going to provide and you don't know how everything's going to work out. I just need you to give me a little faith and a little trust and guess what? I'm going to do the rest. I'll do the rest. I'll do the rest. I'll do all the heavy lifting. I don't need you to do the heavy lifting. I just need you to give me faith. I just need you to give me trust. And I can tell you this, worship team, you guys can come on up. I can tell you this, that over the last 12 months, there's been so many moments where I just found myself in my son Luke's room, my my little two-year-old's room, and I'm just going, God, I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what you have in store for us, but I know you have good things, and so I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to give you my hope. I'm going to allow you to do the heavy lifting of my life. Because you know what the greatest part of this story is? Is that Jesus loves when we come to the end of ourselves. That's his favorite thing. Now, you hate it. Nobody says, amen, brother. Thank you, Pastor Jeff, for that good word. Getting to the end of myself today. I just can't wait to hit rock bottom so Jesus can take over, brother. Right? No, nobody's thinking that when I say that. Nobody's thinking, oh, man, I can't wait for that day. You're thinking, no, I want, I just, I want the blessing. I just want the blessing. I just want the favor. I just, I want this. But there's this place that God takes us. There's this place that God loves to let us get to where we get to the end of ourselves. And this is where the disciples are. They're tired from lots of ministry. They just got back from a ministry trip. Their best friend just got executed. They were told that they were going on vacation and then the vacation was interrupted. Can you imagine what these 12 guys are feeling? Like, come on. Come on. What happened? They just got to the end of themselves. But God loves that. God loves it. Because he goes, guess what? In your weakness, that's when I'm strong. That's when I'm mighty. That's when I can take you from glory to glory. That's when I can take you from faith to faith. That's when I can take you to the victory place. I can give you the land that I have in store for you. Listen, I want you to all understand this. There is a promised land for every single one of you. Mike Coots, there is a promised land for you, brother. There's a promised land for you and for your family and for your kids. You're just going to have to walk in faith. And sometimes, sometimes you think, oh, God, where are we going? I remember when me and Brandon, we were moving Brandon here left his home, left everything that they knew. We're in a truck on the way here to start a new life and a new journey. And he goes, hey, guess what? On top of all this, um, Claire's pregnant. We're going to have another baby. When Brandon got saved at our church in Michigan, I remember 
it was like a month after he got saved, me and him went to lunch, and then I asked him to come be a part of what we were doing in the youth because I knew God had great things in store for Brandon. But Brandon never knew that he was going to pack everything he owned and move. Did you? Did you? Could you have, I mean, could you have ever thought that? But there's this place that God goes, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. Let go. Let go of your life. Let go of everything that you know and hold tight to me. Why don't you stand up with us this morning? And we're going to sing this song. We sang it last weekend. It's just a simple song. It just speaks to Jesus being enough and being all. And, and you know what? That's how we started the service, and that's how we're going to end the service today. All about Jesus. And if you go, man, I, I need more than that. Well, I don't know what you're looking for. That's all I need. That's all I need because he's really good. He's really good. I don't know your name at all, but I want you to know that God is so for you. God is so for you. As soon as I saw you today, God was like, I love him so much, and I have so many great things in store for your future. Just trust me. Just trust me. I'll open up doors you could have never opened up. I'll open up doors and opportunities, and I'll bless you in ways you could have never imagined. God loves you. He super loves you. Super loves you. Amen. 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 Come on, throw up your hands.